You're listening to Cape Cod's Real Radio, WOMR 92.1 FM Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans and streaming along all over the world at WOMR.org. This is Neil Carter. You're listening to Special K on Side B Deeper Cuts on WOMR. All right, I'm here with Neil Carter today, and uh, I haven't talked to him in a while. I've interviewed him three other times, to- or two other times. I think this is my third. So we're going to check in and see what Neil's up to. How are you doing, Neil? Very good. Very good, Carl, indeed. Yeah, extremely good. Very quiet, but very good. Yeah. Excellent. Um, we're going to start off with uh, when you ended with uh, Wild Horses is a first yeah. question of one of my listeners. They They want to know how you ended with Wild Horses and ended up with with UFO, and if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to take the lead on this, but uh, the, you played the Reading Festival with Wild Horses, correct? One year, and then yeah. the next year you were with UFO, right? Yeah, I was 15th on the bill with Wild Horses and, and headlining with UFO the following year, which is an extremely strange turn of events. It was very odd indeed to go from one one extreme to the other, you know, but uh, Wild Horses were still sort of in their, not fledgling stage, but they were... Um, sort of building a little bit, but by that point I'd had enough of the whole thing. So, um, so in, it was uh, yeah, it was a right time for me to leave when I did leave. And when you came in, you came into UFO for the wild, the willing, and the innocent, which a lot That's of people th- don't know this. But was the out al- the album was pretty much already written when you came in, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, well, I um, I was with the horses, and I was a bit un- unhappy, and. Um, uh, Phil Collin uh, was a good friend at the time, and he they they'd been touring with UFO. And when Paul had, uh, went, um, they suggested he suggested me. So that's how I went along. So on the last tour I did with Wild Horses, we were supporting Ted Nugent uh, in England, and I was practicing the UFO songs in between, um, you know, sound checks and all that sort of thing. It was dreadful of me, really, but they I, you know, I hadn't told them by that point, and I hadn't played with the band by that point. So um, so when I went for my um, sort of not audition, but you know, playthrough with them. It was almost like a done deal that I was going to join. Um, so um, yeah, so they had done the backing tracks for Wild the Willing and the Innocent, and uh, so John Sloman and someone else had played the keyboards, I think, and Paul had done all the guitars. Uh, it was very, very much the way UFO worked was to do the backing tracks before we actually knew what the vocal line was going to be. I mean, Phil would always like yodel around a little bit, but um, we we often we often finished the, the backing tracks before we knew what the vocal was going to be um so that was how they worked you know and they uh, sort of tend to work in the past you know right now with uh wild willing and innocent they had uh lonely hearts now that has saxophone on it correct yes it did yeah Yo, one of the that's the first saxophone ufo ever saw was with oh the my god of you. yeah yeah oh my god yeah um well do you know the strangest thing was that i didn't actually play it i didn't own one and it was typical me. I sort of, stood, he, they were mentioning him talking about, you know, whatever. and I had, I played the clarinet, which was my principal instrument. And right. it's the same way of playing. It's the same embouchure. And um, when I was with Gilbert O'Sullivan, I did play a little bit of saxophone. But but at that point, I'd not really played it very much at all. And I think it was just, I'll have a go and see what comes out. That was it. You know, that was how it, I mean, I, I, I really hadn't, I didn't own a saxophone at that point. So, um, yeah, so that was how that came about. But it, sort of worked and it had a sort of like the right sort of feel to it and uh, right vibe for the song you know um so I've, i'm i'm not um you know people 
Pete used to go on about the saxophone. He didn't like the saxophone very much, but um, I, I think really that worked on that song quite well. Oh, I think it worked on the song Fabulous. It's one of my favorite yeah. songs. Yeah, yeah. But, no, it does give- that album itself is just happens to be my favorite UFO album from start to finish. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think really, I mean, although you know, it's different to the Michael albums, but it is a very. Um, it was there's some good songs on it, you know, and the string arrangements and um, the way the, the songs are strong. I think on that album, they're very strong. Although I had nothing to do with them, I'm going to take no credit for that. But um, they, they are a very strong set of songs, and um, I like the album. And a lot of people do put it as one of their favorite albums, particularly that period. But um, some people put it as one of their favorite albums, so that's great. But you know, I, I think it's my 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 contribution to it was mainly backing vocals and um, the saxophones and. I don't think I played much in the way of keyboards on it at all, if any. I don't think I did. I've got a very hazy memory of that time, <laughs> to be honest. So I can't remember. Back in books, man. Right. Well, then we move on to uh, making contact, which uh, oh. which you had a heavy hand on. Yeah, actually, we've got mechanics in the middle. I so mean, I, oh, yeah, what did I say? Making contact? I'm sorry. Yeah, me, uh, mechanics yeah. came next. Yeah. Th- thank yeah. you for that. I'm jumping all oh, over sorry. the place. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Mechanics uh, came next, and then uh, you had a good helping hand in that writing that album, correct? Yeah, I mean, actually, what I used to do is, um, because we were on the road for so much time and so long tours, that I got into, for something to do, I got a, one of those sort of like double tape machines, and I started, and it was really my first proper attempt at writing, and I used to just throw anything down while I was in my hotel room and just sort of give myself something to do, basically. Um, and so, you know, knowing that another album was coming up, and I thought I'd just have a go. So, you know, I came up, came up with riffs, and I came up with ideas, and there were a hell of a lot of things. And in fact, well, well, I've been going through a lot of old tapes recently, and uh, it's amazing what is there that we didn't use. You know, there's a hell of a lot of stuff that I have lurking around that I've never even listened to again since. You know, um, but um, I just kept finding tapes of things. You know, um, but yeah, there was a lot. I was a lot more involved in that. One. Um, I mean. Uh, hell of a lot you know stuff on there like you know a lot of keyboards a lot of guitar a lot of backing vocals and of course the saxophones <laughs> um yeah so, yeah um, yeah i mean do you know it's funny I, the other day i suddenly had this light bulb moment um because i know pete didn't like the saxophones um and i know quite a few people didn't like the saxophone but i remember why it came into it in the first place because we used to go on um Aerosmith had a track called Chiquita and we used to go on we used to have it on before we played every night on tour and this was like before mechanics came about and there's the saxophones on there there's a really good horn section and I think what I was hoping to replicate was something like that particularly on the writer you know um, but um, it didn't actually end up sounding like that. But that, the whole night, that was what gave me the, the idea to put those sort of saxophones on the writer. I must admit, something else was much, very much to do with Gary Lyons. You know, Gary Lyons um, wanted all that sort of stuff on it, and it was too much. I mean, it wasn't what, what it was meant to be originally, you know. But again, some, some people like it, some people don't, but some people, some people do like it, you know. Right. Well, I, I for one, totally enjoy it. I like the uh, the evolution of UFO and how they experimented and uh, and ha- and adding you on with the saxophone, uh, uh, you know, and the keyboards, of course. Yeah. Now, I have one question I'm going to pop in here, a uh, little out of order here, but um, okay. but uh, J. Patrick Malone asks from uh, the UFO 
website. Um, whom did you enjoy working with the most when you were uh, um, toward, towards the end there? Towards you know, obviously Pete left before making contact. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, now the, the way he poses this que- poses this question is. Out of UFO and Gary Moore and Wild Horses, who who did you enjoy? Work, who was your most enjoyable experience to, to work with? To work with. Um, do you know, it's very strange. If you'd have asked me uh, this 15 years ago, I would have said Gary Moore. Um, but bizarrely, since I would, went back to UFO, it's very strange. But I get on well, so well with Phil and Phil Mock. And uh, it's just odd. It's just the way it's evolved. I mean, I've always got on, always got on well with Andy um, and Paul Chapman and uh, Pete. You know, Pete and I had never never had a crossword particularly, but Phil was always you know very much. He, he was a different person forty years ago than he is now. And in fact, actually now I actually thoroughly enjoyed working with Phil again. I really, really did. And of course, it's a different band. You know, Vinny and um, and Rob, and and we all get on really, really well. But um, Bob Daisley, who played bass with Gary for a long time, um, was probably he and I were very close and got on when we were good friends and we used to hang out a lot. Um, and I liked playing with Eric Singer, um, who, who's now drumming in Kiss or has been drumming in Kiss for a long time. So there, there's various reasons for various people. So it's quite hard to actually say 100%. But actually, having said that now, I would say Phil. It's very, it's, um, he, he, we just laugh and laugh and laugh. And that's great. It's great when you're on tour, you know, to have that sort of humor and uh, whatever, you know. And there's, there's none of the, none of the younger, that you had 40 odd years ago you know yeah he yeah. uh he he also asks if you can talk phil into writing an autobiography <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know really i mean i think phil he, he sort of occasionally talks about it and then i think it would just be a lot of work and, and and also he also says that he can't he sort of has got a lot of recall in fact when i came back to the band um, there's a lot of hazy periods in the, in the, the career of UFO. And he said, he said, do you know what's funny having you here, Neil, because you remember everything, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. You know? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, we had a, we, we actually do have quite a laugh about that. We did particularly say, you remember everything, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. Yes, very, very much so I do, you know. But it's all good. It's, you know, all that stuff is good. But I can't, I, I think Phil would have a great um autobiography if he could just probably remember all of it you know but uh, right. we had too too many good times i think too many good times but what a load of experiences my god i mean god life experiences don't come any better than that i don't think you know ups and downs or whatever yeah, yeah. uh speaking of phil uh i hate to jump all over the place we'll, we'll get back to making contact after mechanics okay. in a second yeah. but uh speaking of phil while on the topic of phil uh I, I asked you this already once, so I'll ask you for everybody else's sake. Uh, new yeah. album coming out for Phil, it, uh, not yeah. UFO, correct? No, no, it's, it's Phil's own solo project, and right. um, he 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 describes it in the blurb as a moggish album, 
And um, yeah, I mean, it's been, you know, it's been gestating for quite a while now, but I think it's getting towards, from what I understand, it's getting towards the end of, uh, you know, getting towards completion now, you know. So, um, but uh, yeah, so I don't ask too much. Um, and I think it's down to him to say what he's going to do, and you know, uh, sort of uh, um, give the, all the info away. But um, he's, no, I, I speak to him fairly regularly. You know, we, we are in contact you know, most weeks. So, uh, but, uh, you know, it was, obviously it was a bit of a shock um, when he had his problem with his heart. Um, but he seems pretty good now, you know, he seems fi- fighting fit and um, and doing his gardening and all this sort of thing, which he likes doing and, you know, pottering around at home. I think Finn is quite happy at home, actually. He's quite content to be, at, you know, in his home, you know, and sort of just doing bits of singing and bits of whatever, you know. So I've no idea what the, fu- the future will hold for UFO. It's very difficult to say at this moment, you know, but um, much as I think we would all love to tour, it's really very much down to Phil. Phil has to feel comfortable and happy and uh, you know it's got to be right the gigs have got to be right but uh, he's doing okay and then you know sort of I'd be interested to hear what how the whole thing comes out in the end how the album comes out in the end you know but uh, he's uh, you know he's been beavering away as far as I know so yeah that's terrific uh well you answered my next question if you knew what the next step is in the world of UFO are you are they is there any talk of finishing the the tour to to complete the farewell tour or anything well, or um, anything? I think um, you know. Uh, I mean, how long have we been? I mean, Phil had his heart attack in was it September? I think. Um, so I think he. I think he doesn't want to commit to anything at the moment. But that's not to say that it wouldn't be anything else in the future. You know. I mean, you have to get bear in mind. I suppose they're all getting. Everyone's getting older. You know. So You're right. Is, uh, you know, Phil will be 76, Andy will be 72 next year, I think. Um, so, you know, for I, I keep thinking of Andy going out playing and having to play that set, you know. Um, I mean, you know, Andy's a powerful, strong man, you know, but even still, you know, there must, there must come a point um, where, you know, you think, I can't really, I don't really want to do this anymore. You know, it's quite physically demanding, you know. I mean, but because um, I have, to, I'm 10 years younger than Phil. And right. I mean, Obviously, Rob, Rob is, I don't know how old Rob is, but Vinny is the youngest, I think. Vinny's not quite 60 yet. Um, so, but I think, you know, if, if if the word came to do something, we'd all drop everything and go and do it, you know, because we just enjoy it so much. We, I mean, for me, it's been a, a very, it's been a sort of slightly bittersweet thing because I, obviously, I didn't, would have, wouldn't have wanted Paul to pass away in the first place. Um, but then having come back to it, I've had such a great time doing the shows and I've really enjoyed it. And it's sort of given me a different slant on life. You know, to suddenly, I, I was firmly retired. I never thought that I would ever come back and do this again. So, um, and then to have it taken away by the pandemic, you know, was uh, was a bit cruel really, you know, because we, we, we had so much else planned to do, you know. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, so and I'd never, I've never been to South America, you know. So I, I, I would really excited about going to South America, but uh, yeah, it was not to be. But um, we had some great shows, you know, some really, really good shows, and I, and I loved coming back to the states. I mean, I really did. I never thought I would go to the states again. It was so incredible, and because I live in the Canary Islands, so um, it's right down near Africa. Uh, so opposite Africa. So for me to get to say, like we started in San Francisco, it's a 27 hour journey to get from here to there, you know. So it's, it's not like getting on the plane, it's eight hours, you know, it's a, it's a hell of a lot, long way for me to get, you know, from here. So, um, but it was fantastic to go back to the States. It really was wonderful. Right. I have another question for you from a Mark Aberwald. And uh, speaking of uh, shows that you like to play, 
He yeah. asks, how did you like playing on the Rock Legends cruise? Oh, actually, do you know that was a real novelty for me? I, I, I've heard of them. I had heard of them. I never imagined I would do one. And it was fantastic. It was brilliant. It's like having a holiday. And then you just go and do the, the, the like we did three shows. And um, they were really nice. The crowds were brilliant. And um, it was very interesting. I'd like to do another one. I really would love to do another one. I mean, we get, I'm sure they get offered them um, uh, you know, quite a lot um, because there's so many of them now, you know. Uh, but um, yeah, I think it was brilliant. It was a really good thing. And, and I had a lovely cabin and I didn't really do very much apart from to do the playing and then sit in my sit on my balcony and, and look out to see. And it was just wonderful. It was really, yeah. really, really good. It was like a holiday. You know, it was a really, really excellent holiday. It was, uh, yeah, it was brilliant. So bringing us back to, back to uh, mechanics and making contact yeah. now mechanics yeah. was pete's last album for a while he came back at a later date after after yeah. the breakup and another reincarnation of ufo later on down yeah. the road yeah but uh going into making contact you were without a bass player now you and and paul chapman did all the bass parts on that right is that correct? yeah I, yeah it was yeah in fact um i when i looked at it i looked at it recently because someone asked me and i think paul did um sort of 60 something percent of it and i did 40 it just it depended on what who'd written what and how it would we rehearsed it i think so yeah i mean i'm not i, I originally that's what i started out doing was being a bass player although i don't i don't think it was a very good one but i quite enjoyed i quite enjoyed playing bass on that so we did it as a three-piece we did the um like the backing tracks as a three-piece with them and um and rehearsed it like that so um you hear me i think it's all credited so i think you whoever did what is credited you know but um uh it was just uh yeah it's great it's quite a nice thing to do really right now we come to the end of making contact yeah and uh we had that scene i i forget where it was with billy sheen with the with the uh soda can into yeah. a hockey puck into the head he got and he, yeah. he had, had enough of that and then paul yeah. gray came on board and then, uh, and then Phil, I guess, wasn't feeling too good. And anyways, the, the band imp- seemed to have imploded. Yeah. And yeah. moving forward, um, some people don't know the timeline or the time frame of after making contact. There are some demos out there of you, Paul Chapman, and Andy Parker. And uh, yeah. I think it has you on vocals before you went yeah. to Gary Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Just- yeah. And you guys were going to now. Were you trying to resurrect UFO, or you guys were going to do a different project at the time? Or uh, no, I mean, it would be would be a different project because you can't, you know, Phil is Phil is the voice, so um, you couldn't right. really re- re- represent that, you know, in any other way. Um, yeah, it was an idea to do just do some tracks and see where we were and what we could achieve and what we could do. Um, as it was, it really I wouldn't have been the singer. I don't ever think of myself as a lead singer. I mean, I did do lead singing with Gary Moore. Um, I don't feel I've got that that quality in my voice that's that's the right quality for a lead singer. I mean, you hear Phil, you always know it's UFO, you know. So yeah. um, it, I don't feel I've got that. I've never been that confident about the way my voice sounds. So um, I quite happy doing backing vocals. But um, yeah, so we did them, and yeah, they are out there. And at the end of it. Um, it was strange because I'd 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 been um, offered this thing with Gary Moore to do a tour, and never thinking it would go beyond that. But of course, Gary and I 
dots instantly clicked. And so that was really from that point onwards. And then Paul was doing something else. And Andy went back to, I think he went back to construction, I think. Um, so, yeah, so we just we just sort of petered out, really. It was a great shame because, I mean, but we'd had a hard couple of years. You know, we really had. And um, I think all of, they needed a rest. You know, I needed to do something different. And um, that was how it worked out in the end. That's how it panned out. But funnily enough, um, I one of the songs ended up being one of Gary Moore's songs that I wrote. Um, so it ended up being Murder in the Skies, which is one of Gary's songs from Vixen for the Future. And I didn't realise, but Paul took one of the other ones to Wasted. And funny, and I, it was only when Pete's funeral was, I was watching Pete's funeral, <laughs> that, well, not after, but, you know, but I was watching Pete's funeral that I suddenly heard this song and I thought, Hang on a minute. And it was, it, I'd never realised because I'd switched off to everything for so long um, that, that it was a song that Andy and Phil and, and Andy had written like lot, the, the, lot of the lyrics. And uh, it was a song that we we had written that of one of those four songs. So we did a sort of like a split, Paul and I, uh, of bits and pieces, you know. But um, yeah, it was very strange hearing it. It was really good as well. I, thought, I don't know what it's from, but it's, um, I think it was called So Long. Think, um, but um, yeah, so that was the that was one that Paul and Andy and I had recorded. But uh, they they made it sound better, you know, much better version. Right now, back in that day, um, back in that timeline, I should say. Yeah, I interviewed uh, Paul uh, a ways back after talking with you about that same time period. Now, was Robin Zander ever um, going to fit into that project to become the lead singer? Um, not that I know of, no. Uh, I don't, I mean, maybe it's, I mean, it's possible in the midst of, you know, the t- of time that's elapsed that I've forgot, forgotten, but um, I don't remember Robin, uh, Robin, I mean, they were cheap trip, we were doing really well, so I can't imagine that Robin would have done it. I, I don't, it's very strange, I mean, there's lots of, lots of things get become um, sort of folklore over the years, you know, urban, urban myth, and I don't remember Robin ever coming up in conversation, I don't remember that. I mean, maybe Paul would talk to it, but I, there's no, nothing that I remember particularly. Right, because I remember talking with Paul, and Paul told me that, that Robin had actually gone down to Florida to meet with him, but it, it just right. didn't get okay. out. Yeah, no, no. I mean, this is possibly, I mean, I lost track a little bit with Paul for a while. Um, and we did connect again sort of at the beginning of the 90s, but um, I lost track track of him for so many years. Um, but uh, we did speak, um, and he sent me the demos, because I didn't have a copy of them. So he, he sent me a copy of the demos that we recorded, because he had them. But uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't remember. It's funny, isn't it? It's just, uh, like I said, it's sometimes a bit of a, a myth goes on, you know? So Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's that's when you went and uh, started with Gary Moore, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, Don Airy was playing with Gary, um, and Gary needed someone to do this this tour with Def Leppard. From him. it was Def Leppard headlining, and it was quite a long American tour. And um, we only did forty minutes, and it was myself, um, Gary, Neil Murray, and Ian Pace from Deep Purple. And I must admit, the idea of opening for Def Leppard third on the bill was a little sort of strange to me because I'd been doing all those places you know we were, I mean we sort of co-headlined with Ozzy or not co-headlined but we'd, we'd had sort of done a tour with Ozzy and Cheap Trick doing all this you know second on the bill and I thought well if Ian Pace can do this I can do this you know so it was fine because I'd, I'd met Def Leppard when they were like 16 17 you know um they would they brought in the the, the gear for wild horses at, at sheffield you know so it was a bit strange five years later or whatever to be uh to be opening third on the bill but that was the idea anyway and gareth's career 
was really beginning to take off. You know, it took off in England and then it took off in Europe. And uh, it took off, not, it didn't really take off much in the States. He never managed, with me anyway, he never managed to really break America. But it wasn't until the Blues album came out that he actually did better in, America, in the States. But uh, his career in Europe and Japan and Scandinavia was went through the roof, you know, it really did. Um, so it was great to be a part of that. You know, And he and I got on really well and worked well together. What do you say we listen to a song right now uh, from one of those first three albums, uh, either Wild Willing or Mechanics or Making Contact, and uh, throw throw a little music into the mix? Okay, man. Yeah. Some, something you'd like to hear? Um, what about um, We Belong to the Night? Yeah. Yeah, that's always... That that song has always resonated with me as being a classic UFO song. They, they still have it in today's... well. When you were last playing as the opener, yeah, uh, I was glad of that. <laughs> I was glad it was the only song that I'd written, so uh, that, that we played that I'd written, so uh, you know, co-written. So uh, yeah, so it was quite nice to actually have that on the on the uh, roster. Yeah, so it's yeah. good. Yeah. All right, let's take a listen to "We Belong Tonight" from UFO off of the Mechanics album. We'll return in a couple minutes with Neil Carter.
Okay, we're back with Neil Carter, and we just heard "We Belong to the Night," which is one of the songs that uh, that Neil partaked in and uh, had a hand in writing on the UFO album "Mechanics." And we are having a little conversation with Neil Carter, and uh, getting back to making contact. What uh, What are some of your favorite songs off of that album, and some of the songs that you had your you know the heaviest hand in writing? Um, well, actually, out of the I don't know, ten tracks, I think I I wrote or co-wrote all but nine uh, of nine of them. Um, so it was quite heavy for me. In fact, Phil and I, Phil and I wrote. But um, I think Paul didn't have a lot in ready at that time. He was going through. We in fact we all were going through funny times in our relationships, and um, it just happened that I had a ton of stuff. So um, without feeling, you know, pushing it on them, it just seemed that that there was enough stuff that I had to use, you know? Um, so yeah, I like Diesel in the Dust and I like when um, when it's time to rock, that's one of Paul's. And I like um, Blinded by a Lie, uh, which has got a venomous lyric from our Phil, which reminds me a little bit of um, Death on Two Legs, not the, not the song, but the sentiment behind it is a bit like Death on Two Legs um, by Queen. It's like, um, you know, uh, sort of someone's done you wrong in business-wise. So uh, so that was Phil's, um, Phil's done, you wrong, done you wrong business-wise song. So, yeah, so Blinded by a Lie is brilliant. I like that. It's good, good lyrics, you know, They're very good lyrics indeed. So, uh, yeah, we like that. But, uh, yeah, Deep Under Dust, Blinded by a Lie. Um, maybe, it's funny, Call My Name would be, I would do it differently now. But actually, I do quite like it as a song, but I think I would have done it slightly differently. It's a bit, it's a bit, um, it's not quite as successful as it could have been. But, it's, you know, again, it's um, hindsight's a great thing, but it's a good song, you know, it's a good song, basic song, you know. Right. Yeah. Now, um, moving along to... Not, not necessarily the future, but uh, ahead in the in the scheme of things, yeah. you um un- unfortunately Paul passes away, and yeah. UFO comes back to you and says, "Hey, uh, Neil, mm. uh, how did that come about? Um, um, did they ask you to come back uh, after Paul had passed?" Well, I I strangely enough, I've been to people might know, I don't know, but um, I went to see them because I saw they were doing their final tour. And I was in England um, working and um, I I thought, shall I go? And I thought normally, you know, I, I haven't been to a rock, I hadn't been to a rock gig for probably 20 years. And I thought, well, I'll go because it'll be the last time I'll get to see them and uh, it'll be nice. And, you know, and, and in fact, unfortunately, I couldn't stay behind afterwards to go and see them because I had to get back to where I was working and I had to get the last, you know, to the train back to this place. Um, so I did Stay until the midpoint of rock bottom and I had this ridiculous grin on my face the whole time because it was so charming and it was so much fun and it was great to see them on stage and you know it, it was just it was just in, enjoyable you know really really enjoyable and um, so that was it totter back came back to Lanzarote and um, I was sitting watching planes land as I do and suddenly I, this thing popped up about Paul passing away and it was so such a shock I mean it really was and because I'd never met Paul ever so that was again it was a bit strange that we never actually ever got to say hello to one another you know um and it, i just thought i totally sad you know whatever and and that was it and they they'd known that i'd been at the gig and i think it was just the way it worked out it was just very strange quirk of fate that um phil suddenly thought oh neil was there and um 
why don't I ask Neil? So I think it was, I think I might have been the first port of call um, to to see. So, you know, they obviously had to wait, you know, sort of respectfully wait, but um, they had the dates planned, you know, they had a, a timeline coming up and they they had to um, they had to make some sort of decision, you know. So um, I think they felt that Paul wouldn't have really wanted them to stop, you know, at that point. So they had to find someone else to fill his shoes. So, so there was me. So I hadn't actually touched a guitar in 12 years. And I hadn't got one, so I had to go and buy one uh, locally because um, I, I sold all my guitars after my last bit with Gary Moore in 2010. Um, so I got rid of everything. So I had nothing at all, no keyboards, no nothing. So um, luckily, um, uh, obviously, they still have Paul's rig. So I used Paul's keyboards. And so it didn't it sounded the same, which is uh, you know how it should be. Um, and I bought my guitar and I got my calluses back on my fingers and, uh, you know, trying to get back into the mindset of being, uh, you know, playing in, uh, in a band, you know. But it was it was very it was very easy because they were up to speed. And I just slotted straight in. So we'd planned four days of rehearsals. And in fact, we only needed one um, because it was just so sort of automatic, you know, because I hadn't forgotten. In muscle memory is an incredible thing. I hadn't actually forgotten how to play all the songs. I had to learn the ones that were new to me, you know, like Venus and, um, uh, oh, I can't think what they're called now. But uh, yeah, some new ones. But uh, basically it was the same set with a couple of <laughs> Couple of couple of different ones in it, so uh, yeah, it was quite, it was good, it was great, it was so easy for me to do it. But you know, I, I think they felt probably felt happy having someone they knew, or at least Andy and Phil knew, um, coming into the band at that point because it can't be easy, you know. So uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad I was able to do it. Well, I really was. Well, as far as the fan point of base, uh, I'm sure. And by everything that was said out and about, your name had come up immediately, mm. and uh, you know before they had asked you. And I, I had asked you, and re you respectively told me that that uh, you know it, it wasn't a time to say anything yet. And uh, yeah. and then the announcement came out, and then the tour started back up again. How did yeah. you feel when you first got back on stage with that band? It's very strange. Um, I I've got I'm terrible. I'm a sort of innate show off. So, in fact, I love playing live. I really do love playing live. It's my favourite thing to do. And it didn't, and people might not understand this, but to me, it's like I'd walked off. I, I, I always say this thing, because before I went back with Gary Moore, um, I hadn't played in front of a crowd in a band for 22 years. You know, so it was very strange. I woke, walked out on stage with Gary 22 years after the last time I played with Gary. Um, and it was like it was like the next gig. It didn't. It didn't feel any different to me, and it was the same with UFO. I didn't. My only worry was that I would remember everything, and it's it's the choreography of it. You know, going from guitar to keyboards and back again, and it's and you know you have to there there is a certain amount of choreography involved. You have to get the things right and at the right point and switch immediately from keyboards to guitar and all that sort of thing. And it's all the, that's the sort of thing you you're not. Um, nervous of or wary of that you you have to remember what you're doing you know um, and concentrate but uh, no I loved it I really did I just felt like it and it just got better and better and better you know it really did over the period of time and we got to play some big crowds you know we played Sweden Rock um, we played some good festivals we played some nice intimate dates you know and then like I said coming back to America again was just a miracle for me because I, 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 I love America I, and I was I just thought I'd never come back so uh, I was so happy to come come out right. it was a real privilege, real privilege you know yeah now yeah. with that being <laughs> said where do you see Neil Carter 
in a couple of years from now? God, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> well, um, I had retired, Carl. You know, so you have to bear this in mind. I mean, I, I came, we, I gave up work when I was fifty-five. So I thought I just I didn't do it anymore. Um, so I we we packed up the house in England. We we sort of left it in Mossballs, and we came down here to um, to our house here. And um, I, you know, I didn't really imagine I would do anything else. So. I'm, I'm sort of having to motivate myself to think now I'm back on I came back to it whether I have to decide whether I carry on doing anything you know even if UFO don't do anything it's whether I, I carry on and I'm not very good at working on my own so um for me to I've got, I mean I could have I've got about probably two albums worth of songs but I, I'm not very good at doing it on my own so this is what how I have to sort of construct the next step you know whether I do carry on or whether I just go into happy retirement again you know so uh, I, I still examine music I still can do that remotely from here but um, it's you know I don't know I, I, part of me is, wants to do it and part of me is thinking do I you know so it's uh, it's a very difficult thing you know when you're not in a band and you're on your own um, you just don't you know I don't feel uh, as motivated to do anything put it that way yeah right so, now um, if UFO does go on or finish the final tour or start another tour and then finish it just, just to put an exclamation I kind of feel like I find I kind of feel like UFO doesn't have a period at the end of the sentence with how events went. Yeah, if yeah UFO yeah. goes back out. Are you going with them? Oh yeah, God yes. Yeah, oh yeah, no, that's yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Good. I mean, it, but I mean, if they want me, um, yeah. But no, I I can't imagine. Um, no, no, no. I, I mean, I would. I, I like I said, it's just really, it's just really, you know, when and what and uh, you know, I'm sure things come up and, and are offered. But um, you know, that part of it because I'm sort of uh, sort of like an adult, if you like, at this point in time. I'm not really a, a sort of like a. Um, I'm a member of the band, but I'm not. I'm a not sort of uh, sort of involved in anything with it you know so i don't i don't make decisions um right. i would just you know if they want me then that's fine i'd love to do it you know really would but uh, it, it just comes down to really what's offered and where and when and how phil feels about it and i totally respect if he doesn't want to do it I, and if he does i more than happy you know more than happy to do it. So, right yeah. so let's uh Let's check out another song. Let's go to uh, Making Contact and, uh, okay. and and give a listen to a song off of that since we were talking okay. about it for a little bit. What uh, yeah. fancy is your liking for that? Ooh, okay, well, what about Diesel in the Dust? That's always a... Yeah, that's a, that's a great... That's one of my favorites off that album. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, we're going to listen to Diesel in the Dust. We're sitting here chatting away with Neil Carter, and we'll be right back after Diesel in the Dust off of Making Contact of UFO.
All right, and we are back with Neil Carter from UFO and Wild Horses and Gary Moore fame. And we just heard Diesel in the Dust off of the Making Contact album of the yeah. same name, UFO. So, um, so Neil, uh, yeah. before we go, any uh, any thoughts or recollections of uh, of Paul or Pete that you uh, you have any good stories to tell that we haven't well, heard? Yeah, ones that I can repeat. Um, well, yeah, exactly, yeah. ones you can repeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it's always a, yeah, a lot of it was, uh, I wouldn't say X-rated, but a lot, a lot of it you wouldn't really want to go into. Actually, what was very strange was, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but Ross Halfin, when Pete died, um, Ross Halfin, who's a photographer, um, did a book of all pictures of Pete and the various incarnations of UFOs, some bits of with it when he was with Ozzy. Um, and I had sort of forgotten what a rock god Pete was, actually. I, I, you know, he, he, when he was younger, you know, when I first joined the band, he was just quite something to behold, actually, I think, on stage. He had such charisma. And, um, you know, I, I, I hold all that very, very dear to me, actually, when I think about Pete from that period. I, I'm sad that Pete didn't stay with us then. Um, and it's obviously, you know, Pete, Pete obviously took a very different course in his life, you know, um, which was not the best course. But he he was a great bloke. He was a really nice man and uh, very, very charismatic, you know, and a character, very much a character. And I would say the beating heart of UFO, you know, so he was the beating heart of UFO for me. Um, and then Paul, Paul was he just again, you talk about characters, you know, this this business is peppered with people that are just characters, strong characters. And uh, Paul Chapman was just uh, was one of a kind. You know, he, was, he wasn't called Tonka for nothing. I mean, I've never known anyone be able to put away alcohol or put away anything else uh, and still be standing and going and raring to go. You know, uh, he, he really was. He can get that name for nothing, you know. Um, but also he was just a very good musician, um, very underrated, I think, by some people uh, that follow the band. And, uh, you know, sometimes I listen to some of the stuff Paul did and it's really, really good. You know, it's really some of the recorded live, um, the album stuff is just really, really good. You know, so, uh, yeah, he was a, a very nice man, very uh, real character and very warm. You know, people from Wales are usually quite warm and he was a very warm person, nice person to be with. Right. Yeah. So... And what you were just saying about Paul, uh, now, he already had the name Tonka before you came into the band, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that's where he got it from, is exactly what you just said. Yeah, yeah, because the Tonka toys were indestructible. And, uh, yeah, the Tonka truck, yeah. Yeah, Tonka <laughs> truck. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, Paul was, you know, he, he, did get, he did get that name for being pretty indestructible. You know, he, he was, uh, God, he was one in a million, I tell you, it was unbelievable. That, that, he, his death, actually, to me, was probably the most shocking because he was only, he was younger than, about the same age as me, actually. He was about 66, 65. And I'm, I was just quite astounded that he passed as he, as he did, you know. And it's a shame it was on his birthday as well. It was a bit, it was a bit sort of tragic, really, you know. But he's, yeah. he's definitely something, you know, he's a very, he was a very special person. And very, um, you know, his enthusiasm was like, um, and, and never ending, you know. Um, so, and I always think fondly of him and Pete being very naughty and uh, you know, sort of mischievous, and uh, then Phil sort of standing back, stoking the fires of the mischief. You know, as a, yeah. they, they were, they were, they were a bit mean to Andy. They probably they used to, they, I mean, they didn't really weren't mean to me, but they obviously thought I was the, the pure one out of the whole. 
<laughs> but um, I don't think I was. But um, I was. I was. I was viewed as the the more studious music musician and, and uh, pure one. But they they used to be so naughty to Andy. But Andy took it a good part most of the time anyway. You know? Hey, you know what I forgot to tell you? It's happy birthday. A little belated, but happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, just reached the grand old age of sixty five. Yeah, I got, yes, I haven't quite got my pension yet, but uh, it's coming along there, boy. And I can. Uh, it's funny when you're in Spain. 65 is retired. I think it's still retirement age. So, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, you get different things happen here when you're 65, you know, it's a bit amazing. I, I, I thinking of getting to this age, I, I mean, I, I, goodness knows what it must be built for people, you know, reaching 70 or 80, you know, but um, it is quite, uh, it's quite a, a, a milestone, you know, you, you don't feel any different, I don't think, but you just, uh, it's, it is, it is quite a, a milestone in your life, you know. Yeah, thank you, Carl. It's very kind of you, yeah. Yeah, pension next year. God almighty, that's scary. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Now you yeah. said you said earlier you're still doing the uh, music examining. Yeah, yeah, I'm still doing that. I uh, the result of the pandemic was that um, my organization that I worked for nearly 20 years now had to rethink because they couldn't have face-to-face -face exams. They're back now, but um, they 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 couldn't have face-to-face -face exams and they had to quickly think of something to make revenue because obviously, you know, they 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 had just invested on giving us all iPad Pros to um, to do the examining with, and there was this massive thing that they'd done and spent a fortune on, and then suddenly they couldn't do any examining. You know, so um, so I now sit at my computer examining candidates from all over the world. It's quite interesting. You you sort of get them from everywhere: Africa, China, you know, Japan, the States, whatever. Um, so yeah, so I, I've been this morning. I've been doing some this morning, and it's uh, it's a bit soulless. It's it's nice to actually have a candidate, a live candidate in the room with you. You know, it's a very different thing doing it like this, but it still keeps your mind ticking, your brain ticking, which is very necessary, I think. So, uh, but it was it was a, a godsend during the pandemic pandemic because it actually gave me something to do. You know. Which um, which is very necessary because we had a very brutal lockdown here in Spain. Um, so, and then, uh, you know, we couldn't even leave the house at all. Um, so it was pretty, pretty heavy, you know, for months, like two or three months, you know. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. But uh, it was quite good having that to do, you know, and I can still do it remotely. I don't have to go to England or wherever to go and examine. You know, I can actually do it from here, which is quite nice. Well, Neil, I think that about wraps it up. Right. Okay, then. Okay. Well, great to speak to you, Carl. You never know. We might be passing your way at some point. But um, Well, that, I, that was, uh, yeah, my closing questions. <laughs> well, not questions, but statement, I guess you could say, is I uh, I really hope that uh, Phil chooses to finish up uh, and, and put a put a period at the end of UFO. I, I don't like the up in the air kind of ending scenario. Yeah. To it. Yeah. So, I'm... The ultimate would be another UFO album, but I don't see that happening. But no, who knows? No, you but never you gotta know. promise me that if you find anything out, you gotta get in touch with me. <laughs> <laughs> I will do. Yeah, no, I mean I've learned to life now to never say never because i said i'd never go back to gary moore and i did and i said i'd never do another show in my life after the gary moore um, last ones um and you can never say never you can you, you can, can't predict what's going to happen so uh it's it, a life is a continual astonishment to me i never know what's going to come up so yes right. that'd be lovely so if, if we do find if, if i hear of anything i should let you know excellent Okay. All right, Neil. I really okay. appreciate I really appreciate you taking the time out to speak with us and answer some questions and let us know what you're up to nowadays. 
Yeah, thank you. That's great. And they're lovely to talk to you, Carl. And best wishes to all the UFOs out, uh, UFOs out there. Be, keep keep the faith. That's what I say. You want to close out with a song? Um, yes, why don't we do that? We shall close out with, um, I think, Dreaming. How about Dreaming? We can oh, dream. one of my favorites, Neil. Yeah, Excellent. We can dream of UFO playing a gig again. How about that? Okay, <laughs> yes. Great scenario to close out with. Thank you very much, okay. Neil. All right, Carl. Talk to you, you soon. And you. Bye then. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.
Well, Eddie, I don't know how this one got in here. Um, this one is from the band UFO. They want to know how many albums do they have because even they don't care enough to keep count. <laughs> My name is Ken Field, and I'm the host of The New Edge. I'm pleased to bring you two hours of creative instrumental music every Wednesday night from midnight till 2 a.m., We'll be playing a wide variety of creative instrumental music from a variety of sources and styles. And you can hear it right here at your community radio station, WOMR 92.1 in Provincetown, WFMR 91.3 in Orleans, and streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. Corey Iodice, 58, was killed on April 22, 2020, on the Merritt Parkway in Connecticut while doing his job. His job was being a tow truck driver, and he was hooking up a car onto his flatbed tow truck when he was struck by a car at a high rate of speed that did not slow down and move over. Corey was killed instantly. A tow truck driver is killed every six days on the roadways of America. There is a law called Slow Down, Move Over, and it is meant to protect first responders, including tow truck drivers and DOT workers. The law requires vehicles that come upon flashing lights of any color to slow down and safely try to move over one lane to safety. If the car that hit Corey had just slowed down and moved over, Corey might still be with us right now. Slow down, move over. It's the law. Please let the first responders get home to their families today. Brought to you by WOMR and the Iodice family, towing business in Fairfield, Connecticut. Two, one, zero, and liftoff! Well, hello there. I'm DJ Fred, host of Out There, three hours of jazz and avant-garde that zooms into your ears from 9 p.m. to midnight on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. Rooted in the music of musicians like Sun Ra, Thelonious Monk, Charles Mingus, Ornette Coleman, and Miles Davis, Out There features those musicians as well as modern musicians who continue their experimentation and spirit of adventure, those who break a few rules and who open our ears to what music can be. One thing I can promise you about Out There is that at times, it will get very weird. So if you're feeling adventurous, I hope you'll go out there with me as we travel the spaceways together from 9 p.m. to midnight on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month, right here on WOMR. If you find Earth boring, just the same old, same thing, come on, sign up without a spaceway incorporated. Nice to be in orbit. Hi, this is Ray Brown, inviting you to join me for a show called Talking Birds here on WOMR and WFMR. It's a fun and informative program about the birds in your backyard and beyond. We talk about attracting birds, feeding them, and learning more about these amazing creatures. If you like birds and nature, and discovering more about both in an entertaining way, well, try it. We think you'll like it. Talking Birds, every Wednesday morning from 9 to 9.30, here on WOMR and WFMR. This is Wayne in Kentucky. Listen to Side B, Deeper Cuts, with Special K. And W-O-M-R. Keep on rocking. <laughs> 